Your reasons for listening to this show, well, those are your own. But just keep in mind that the views, information, or opinions expressed on the Tuttle Daily Podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of our sponsors. Yeah, it's called free speech, people. Nobody's forcing you to listen. One-of-a-kind shades made to order by Vaporshades.com. Vaporshades designs the outer layer of the sunglasses just like a wrap on a car. They customize your sunglasses, marbling the paint. The end result is no two pair of sunglasses are alike. Yours will be completely unique to you. Check us out at Vaporshades.com. Use promo code TUTTLE for 15% off your entire order. Get ready for your daily dose of TUTTLE. Uh, the all-time greatest uh, intern slash producer we've ever had, of course, Tuttle. Tuttle in Florida. From the Vapor Shades Hobo Fish Camp, it's the Tuttle Daily Podcast. No wonder nobody likes you, Tuttle. Everything's a goddamn debate. Welcome to another edition of the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Hope you guys are having a great day so far. Check me out. If you have not checked me out, go to my website, Tuttle.net. I don't know why I just said Tuttle. It's Tuttle.net. That's Tuttle with two Ds, T-U-D-D-L-E.net. Now, also, something you need to check out, and if you haven't heard me already mention this, every single night at 8 p.m. on my YouTube channel, I am doing a Tuttle Daily Podcast live stream that starts at 8. Go to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Tuttle. Make sure you subscribe and hit that bell button, because when you hit that bell button, it's going to alert you anytime I put up any new uploads or I go live. So... My producer, Vulture, has been setting up a lot of interviews with, uh, for me. And I did one on Saturday. I had my friend Fish on Jay was over. We were trying to fish, but I had to take a break and do this interview with Mike Messier. Not in any relation to the hockey player, but he is from Canada. He is a movie reviewer. He, he is a documentarist. He is also a director. So he knows his shit when it comes to movies. So I also talked about it last week that I was having problems with the golf cart. And we ended up having to get beige golf carts in Edgewater, Florida to come out and pick up the golf cart. So right the interview with Mike Messier, I had to get off really, really quick just to help them load the golf cart up into the trailer. My dumbass did not log off of Zoom, and this is what happened. All right, thank you, sir. All right, Beige is here. What? Yeah, I, I'm, I know, but... I just want to show them. Yep, he's peeing.
A lot of you guys probably think, man, Tuttle should be pissed at his producer for, you know, allowing this. Why? Vulture could have easily stopped the recording. He could have. I am not even mad. If, you, if I'm being really honest, I'm actually kind of proud of him. I am because that is going to be some great content. Yes, it was embarrassing as hell for me. But I'm glad. Now, what I want to hear from you guys, this interview will not be on until tomorrow because I have another interview with a chef at the European Embassy up in Washington, D.C. that will be coming up after the break. But I am going to play the Mike Messier interview tomorrow. What I need to know, because trust me, there is a lot more stuff of me not knowing that I was logged off or wasn't logged off, and the phone was in my pocket. Should I play the, the interview in its entirety, plus me not hanging up the Zoom chat? I would love to hear from you. Email me, tuttle at gmail.com, or leave me a voicemail, 407-270-3044. Once again, that is 407-270-3044. Like I said, I'm not even mad at Vulture. I can't be. Because he is getting it now. He is getting it. You know, he has taken so much weight off of my shoulders behind the scenes and has allowed me to concentrate on the content that I'm putting out. I mean, I've, I've five interviews already in the hopper ready to go for you guys. And I could play them play two in one day, and I, I think maybe playing one interview a day in that second break works out. But once again, I would like to hear from you. Should I play the entire interview plus me talking to the guy? Because when I was talking to the guy from Beige Golf Carts, I was actually trying to do some business with him. I was like, hey, what can we do? Let me, let me pitch you on the air for 30 days and prove that I can get a little bit of an audience so you can hear me wheeling and dealing on top of everything else. 407-270-3044. Should I play it in, in its entirety or just play the interview itself? Because this is, once again, I'm going to play this in its entirety of me pissing. And the guy was still on the, the guest that I had just interviewed is still listening to me take a piss now listen to my stream if you're a doctor out there like my stream would cut off a little bit there so does, does that mean that i got like a weak prostate or something see because that kind of had me concerned plus you can hear me almost like moaning a little bit towards the end because when you really got to take a piss it feels absolutely amazing Going to take a quick break. Going to play this audio again for you. And when I come back, I'm going to be interviewing a chef from Washington, D.C. That is a chef for the European Embassy. And he chats a little bit about all the famous people that he has cooked for. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Beige is here. Um, What? Yeah, I I'm I know, but 
I just want to show them Yep, he's peeing. I've only been arrested one time. A radio personality. Professionally, I'm not in the best position that I've ever been in. And hot talk satirizer? You would think with everything that's going on, a Caucasian like myself wouldn't be able to randomly talk to an African-American or a minority. You're listening to the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Wish you could have just flown and had your vehicle arrive a day or two later so you can enjoy more time doing what's important to you. Well, you can. Just give Starfire Transport a call. Let the professionals do the driving while you're flying. Starfire Transport specializes in RV and auto transport. They'll also haul watercraft from boats to PWCs, cargo trailers, and more. Service available throughout the continental United States. So don't wait. Call Brian today at 574-349-4193 or 989-751-6106 for your next move. 10% off for veterans past or present. Also, make sure to tell them Tuttle sent you for an additional discount. That's Starfire Transport. Do you have something you want to say? Hey, what kind of preacher is you? Leave Tuttle a voicemail. Because you're kind of ignorant. Especially if you think he's being an asshole. No mega bitch. Will your hurtful comments offend Tuttle? No, baby. Call the show at 407-270-3044. No, baby. All right, guys, welcome back to the Tuttle Daily Podcast. This is an interview that my producer, Vulture, set up for me, and I'm really, really interested in it because I think cooking is a regional thing. You know, we talk about differences in, in, in classes, races, uh, and, and I find cooking absolutely interesting because i think food brings people together and on the line with me right now now am i getting it right is it david or david no no gosh not david no (laughs) well i know the e the e at the end so in my in my country you would say david david yeah but american sounds better when they say david instead so david it is now now david Okay. Or would you would you rather call me or would you rather me call you David or the, David? The both is fine. I'm I'm already All used right. to after ten years in U.S. So All right. way, now, it's fine. Da- now David, where where are you from originally? Like, were you born here in the United States, or 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 did you apply to become an American citizen? No. So I am originally from Portugal. Born mm-hmm. and raised in Portugal, a tiny country right off, you know, borders with Spain. Uh, uh, Ronaldo, I, Ronaldo, I'm best, a big soccer fan. Oh my God, best player in the world. Yes, we don't have to talk <laughs> about that, but that's my. Opinion. Are you a big football fan? I am. Well, yeah. football, European football, not American football, football. but yeah. I know. Yes. Well, you know, my audience, I have to say soccer because when I say football, they're all like, "Oh yeah, the NFL." No, but I don't you know, I got to. Yeah. I, <laughs> Now, uh, David, where where are you located right now? You are DC. in Washington, D.C., correct? Exactly, yeah. Now, 
I read that you are cooking for like a European embassy type deal. Like, let me know what you do. Tell my sure. audience what you do and how people can check out your podcast or any of the social media platforms that you're on. So just very quickly. So basically what happened right after I finished uh, culinary school in Portugal, I had a job opportunity to be the chef at the Portuguese embassy in Washington, D.C., I applied and within three months after finishing the school, I was in D.C. Five years later, four years later, actually, I moved to the European Union Embassy. So I am the So head that's like all the countries uh, like, I mean, you're 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 cooking and representing the whole continent of Europe, basically. Yeah, I mean, we so there's an ambassador that represents the European Union along with the, mm -hmm. all the other ambassadors. So this is an individual embassy right individual mm -hmm. residence i cook for yeah. at his house basically and but we try of course to bring a lot of european flavor so we don't know we're not going to have an american menu because that defeats the purpose but yeah in that perspective yes we have to try to make as much as we can from the european union countries which you know it's not all europe there's uh, 26 members so and then there's way more uh, countries than that so the last mm -hmm. five years i've been uh, being i'm the head chef at the european union embassy in dc and i also have a food podcast that started last year that's called turning chickens and breaking dishes why 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 that name why, why the name turning <laughs> chicken and turning dishes uh, so turning chickens and breaking dishes because since I'm a chef and it's a food podcast, actually turning chickens and breaking dishes are two Portuguese phrases. So turning chickens means someone that has a lot of experience and breaking dishes oh. means someone that has exceeded all expectations. So I thought it would be a good way to kind of have that title because then I can also ask my guests mm -hmm. at the end of the podcast if they've been turning more chickens or breaking more dishes. Now, David... If they want to find that podcast, is it available on all the major podcast platforms? Yes, you can find on Apple, you can find on um, iHeart, you can find on Spotify, you can find on YouTube, uh, you can go on to anchor.fm slash david-martins, uh, mm. David with an E, don't forget. But yeah, in <laughs> especially because people normally get from the Spotify's and the Apple's of this world. Yeah, second season just started a month ago. And I'm super happy, super proud of what's going on there. So, yeah, you can check it out. Absolutely. And if you want to now, check the Instagram, sorry. Uh, yeah, you no, can go do, ahead. You can do so. It's basically turning chickens, breaking dishes. So that's the name on the Instagram. Now, David, when everybody thinks of fine cuisine, they think of European countries. Do mm -hmm. the chefs that train in Europe look down on American cuisine? So... It's difficult for me to say yes, because as you can imagine, I don't know everybody in Europe, but yes, <laughs> I come from a country in Portugal and Portugal has, you know, Europe in general, it's, it has a lot of history when it comes to food and American and American food as well. We just don't understand it. So I was one of those people before I got to the US that thought the United States was just burgers, Yeah, which is a very silly concept. After you being in US, you kind of realize that, you know, and I still have to tell that my friends back home, but I get it. Why? Um, uh, you know, although the United States has a lot of history. Um, I mean, was, we're a young country, though. It was we're, a, we're compar still... comparatively, it's a, it's a younger country. So yeah, it's, but that's the biggest challenge, I think. And, and I think that's one of the most amazing things in the US. And that's why the food scene nowadays, it's completely, it's skyrocketed because I think it's much easier to create something that was already there 
then start from zero. And I think a lot of chefs, a lot of immigrants, a lot of Americans that they start their own business, mm-hmm. or if it's not necessarily a restaurant or private catering or anything else, it's much more difficult for you to have just basically a, a, just start from scratch, from blank completely, then you already have a history. It's much easier for me to make my grandma's recipe that she used to make that her grandma taught her then what was actually, your favorite grandma dish what, see i know this was a bad example because i i never met no, my grandparents <laughs> no but i mean i mean i i'm sure that it was passed down and your parents learned your grandparents do you, do you want me to tell That's, you do you want me to tell yeah. you the truth yeah so my mom is a horrible cook i oh. i always say i became a chef to save the family she she cooks to get full. She never enjoy cooking, which is a big difference. So I grew up with the most simple food on earth. But also Portuguese food is very simple. The secret Give me about... an example. Give me an example of mm-hmm. Portuguese food for my so audience. The main thing a lot of people don't know is actually salted cod. It's called bacalhau. Nothing to do with fresh cod you sell in the US. Mm-hmm. The funny thing is that actually that codfish comes from Norway or Iceland. It does not come from our coast. Portugal is a coastal country. 75% of our food is seafood and fish. and But it's a very fresh ingredient. But salted cod, that goes back to the Vikings time when they went to Portugal. And the best way to preserve the fish was to salt it. And basically, we still do that. So to eat the codfish, you got to put in water for 48 hours. So codfish is our, it's, it's almost why? like the why American water? turkey. Why, to, to, why? to remove all the salt because it's very, very okay. salty. Oh, so 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 you're using the salt to kind of tenderize the meat, correct? And then you're more to it? more actually to dry up the meat. So if you put anything in salt, that that dries up everything. It draws the water. Yes, it dries out the water. Yeah, exactly. So it becomes very, very, very dry. And of course, you cannot eat it; it's inedible because it's very, very salty. So you got to put in water for forty-eight hours. So mm-hmm. seafood is very big for us. We have it's very regional Portugal. The funny thing about Portugal is very tiny country. If you're on the coast, you eat fish. But if you are 45 minutes away from the coast, they don't serve fish anymore at restaurants. Everything is very regional. It's, it's very meat-based as well, but we don't have enough meat ima- imagine to export. That's why a lot of people don't know. But 75% will, I would say seafood. And the most simple thing can be like just a grilled red mullet, for instance. And oh. it's the heads on and everything, which Americans get a little scared. I know. No, I mean, but, but no, 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 no. But is he? See, I, I, you bring that up, okay? I am white, Caucasian. I've lived in the South all my life, okay? Now, the great thing about America is that it is so big, and regionally, they have different foods. I don't know how much you've traveled around the United States of America, but you do have to admit that regionally, uh, America is very diverse in the different types of food that they have in our country, right? Yeah, I think. There's a generalization that goes also into Europe. I think nowadays restaurants are following a trend, and this is more like high-end restaurants, if you want, if you prefer, mm-hmm. that you can easily be in Chicago or you can be in DC or in London, and a lot of times you think will be the same owner, because it's also probably what people want, and I can I think it's going towards the whole farm-to-table movement. You know, less is more. Uh, but a little more upscale when the people present the dishes. So I think there's that part. I think across, the, especially in Europe, I think Asia might be a little different, but I think especially in Europe, I just said that because, you know, I go to Europe often and comparing to the US, sometimes I'm sitting at a restaurant there and I believe, and I think for myself, 
okay, this can be an American restaurant or the reverse. Now, I think your true gems is there where you're going to find your diners and things like that. Then you can find, not counting, of course, all the international cuisine you have across the US, right? In mm-hmm. Portugal, going back to Portugal, you know, you're not going to find, unless you're in Lisbon or Porto, which is the two big cities, you're not going to find a Mexican restaurant anywhere. Hey. Do they do they have like McDonald's? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do. Portugal, we have, like yeah, okay. So I mean, I I kind of knew the question to that. You know, here in the United States, we are known as the country of fast food. Mm-hmm. I like the little mom and pop places, the local businesses, because these are recipes that are handed down from generation to generation. Now, is it going to be the most fancy food in the world? No, no, it's not. But I think there's something about tasting food. Do you, do you believe that you can taste the love and the effort and the history that people put into food? Or, or am I romanticizing food too much by saying that? No, I think you can. I think if you... If you think about the story and if you try to put that on a plate, I do believe that people actually feel that as much as it sounds a little weird. Because if you're going to ask most of everybody that they try, imagine your little diner or if mm-hmm. they go to super fancy restaurants, normally the memory, it goes for the diner. I mean, you can have incredible experience at a high-end restaurant, but normally you prefer and your brain always goes to when you're sitting down with your friends, doesn't make sense where you're eating that chicken or that yeah. beef. And it's never, or I'm not going to say it's never, but normally, even, you know, I had great experience in like Michelin star restaurants, for instance, but my brain always goes to the simple restaurants because, or if the piece of meat was great or, you know, the fish was amazing. So I think that that actually counts. And I see that at my job, for instance, mm-hmm. at the, at the Portuguese embassy, I remember cooking for, whoever, you know, guests, and I will try to do some research about them. Who, wait, 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 can, can, I'm sorry to interrupt, but okay. what, it, what, I mean, you don't have, I mean, if you don't feel comfortable talking, uh-huh. who is the most famous person that you have cooked for? Obama. Really? Michelle and Barack Obama, yeah, because they, when they left the White House, they actually moved Next door, as I used to say. What was what what was what was the uh, can can I ask what the sure. dish was that you cooked them? So I made everything you think about a brunch, but was finger foods. So it was not like a traditional buffet. We tried to do something a little smaller because we don't know how hungry these people were going to be. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, we did everything finger food. So everything you might think in like a brunch, and I put some Portuguese things there as well. I mean, this was four years ago, I think. And yeah. Okay. Can yeah. can can I can can I ask when you are cooking for mm-hmm. somebody as um, uh, as important as a president or former president does like the secret service like are they looking over your shoulder the whole time like no, making no. sure no they're not see no. i i see a lot of people would think it's you know myth. like if, no <laughs> no and and i'm sorry like i i mean i'm just asking the questions that that people would probably think i didn't know like if you had the secret service like looking over your shoulder the whole entire time <laughs> while you're cooking no, no, they have a lot of people around undercover pretending that they're part of the party. <laughs> but no, I think that yeah. happens. I might be wrong because that never happened to me cooking for the current president, whoever is the sitting president. I think that might happen. 
but you know, yeah, uh, President Obama, he wasn't president anymore at the time. So, but, did you, but no, I didn't. Did you get to talk to him? I did. I we 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 had our like I always tell my friends, my 22nd conversation was very briefly. We the ambassador introduced me, and he said I was from Portugal, and the President Obama said, "Oh, you know my." Uh, Pete Souza, which, which was the photographer for the White House, he's actually from Portugal, from the islands. Yeah. And I said, oh, I met Pete Souza at the Portuguese embassy because I did. And oh, great. Thank you for the food. You know, a hug and a kiss. And that was it. We took a picture, shook hands, and that was it. But Dude, th- it was that great. is so, that is so cool, though. I mean, that that I mean, do you have a family? I mean, are you married? Do you have like kids and stuff? Or no, no, no kids. Yes, no kids. It's too early for that. But yeah, how how old of a guy are you? I'm thirty three. Dude, you and and you at thirty three got to cook for President Obama. Do you know what my mom said the first time she's when I sent her the picture? You know what was the yeah. first thing she said? I was super what? excited of course as soon as I got the picture. I was like, "Look, mom," and I was saying to everybody, the first thing she says, she was like, "Gosh, David, you're really fat nowadays, aren't you?" That <laughs> 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 yeah, thanks, mom. Hey, that wasn't the point of the picture, but yeah. Now, I'm I'm glad you bring that up, okay? I um I watch a lot of what what are your thoughts here before I get into my question? Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on somebody like Chef Gordon Ramsay? So I used to watch his shows. One thing I know for a fact for people that work for him, that he is an extremely, extremely knowledgeable guy. Yeah. This is not just TV thing. Gordon mm-hmm. Ramsay, as much, you know, people don't like him for his, I guess, attitude on TV. Yeah, but, but I, he's, he's actually, the nicest. He's yeah. the nicest guy in the world, though, from what I see, like him hanging out with his family, mm-hmm. just being himself as a chef, as a head chef. Do you have to be a dick? No, like and no, demand I, excellence. No, but don't forget also, Ramsey, he came from that um, French kind of um, training. Who was his teacher? I forget his name. Well, um, I know he worked with Pierre, Mar- Mark yeah, Pierre. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. That's it. Yep, 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 yep. And I mean, that French school, you know, I was in Belgium for six months for my final intern. So I did five years of culinary and the last year was a six month internship. And I was in Brussels and in a two Michelin star restaurant, actually. And it's very much old school French. I'm not saying it's all restaurants like that. But I think if you come from that background, it's very difficult for you to kind mm. of stop and change some people do after a while they understand that's not the way to run a kitchen but it's i understand it's 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 a very i just i i just spoke with michel rue jr he's a very very Mm -hmm. famous british chef and his dad was a french chef and he admitted you know it was it was difficult it was that kind of culture but i think ramsey comparing to a lot of celebrity uh, chefs he Mm -hmm. really knows a lot he's not just a tv guy he actually knows his business very well you know why I I've always seen Ramsey, and he talks about it. He he always asks chefs to cook him scrambled eggs. It's it's like a test. Have you have you ever seen or an omelet, always, Yeah, yeah. I I mean I I've always like why why is that something you judge on? Because in my opinion, from watching chefs and learning about stuff. Then a lot of chefs try to get too fancy. Yeah. They try to do too much with their menu. And, and, and I always hear Ramsey, keep it simple. Do a couple of really great dishes instead of a bunch of mediocre dishes. But why eggs? 
I think it is a little bit, I'm going, to, it's going to be a silly analogy. Think about it as a house. I think a lot of young students, when they come out of culinary school, they want to build a roof without building the foundation. Mm-hmm. And so they want to make the most beautiful foams and whatever on the plate, but they don't know how to make a chicken stock. And eggs comes to that. Eggs is the most basic thing, right? Everybody can find eggs. It's a cheap product. Mm-hmm. And to make a perfect omelet, it's very difficult. Now, give me an example. Like, uh, give me how you make the perfect omelet. What so, is the perfect omelet well, for, for me, you? Make sure you have a good nonstick pan because you don't want anything sticking up in. But mm-hmm. you want, at least for me, three eggs, a little dash of milk. You got to beat the eggs very, very well before you put it in the pan. Super. Do hot. you season right away? Because Gordon always say you don't want to season until the eggs firm up because yeah, you're I mean, lose you the can color. put pepper, but salt especially it does uh, lose a little bit. So you want you want you can do pepper. Salt you can come afterwards, and in a very hot pan like eight inch pan, a small one, you mm. put a little bit of butter. And basically, the secret is that when you pour the eggs, you actually stir, 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 like to kind of like break the curds a little bit of the eggs. Take then, off the fire, right? And you, then stir and stir and stir. Th- that's more scrambled eggs, off and on, off and on, off and on. That's more more scrambled yep. eggs so that don't dry too. Okay. But an omelet, I got you. yeah, an omelet you just really stir very well with a spatula, not with a whisk, with a spatula. And after like ten or fifteen seconds, you let it sit. So basically, you already all the curds of the eggs, and then you let it sit. And then basically, in ten seconds, you start rolling, uh, because don't do don't do an omelet which is like you know open and you put filling on one side and you just close it like a book that's that's weird to me so you want to make sure that you rolls up basically the omelet and the secret is you don't want to see it has to be smooth on the outside which is very difficult mm-hmm. it might sound uh, easy don't get me wrong sometimes i i try to go fancy for an omelet in the morning for me and doesn't go mm-hmm. out very it doesn't go off very well but nobody can see it so it's okay but, but it's difficult but, but- it's a test, though, right? I mean, Absolutely. It, yeah. it, it is. Now, you, you were talking about nonstick pans. Growing up in the South, every Southern mother had a skillet. You know, <laughs> like, now, what are your thoughts on the skillet? Because people always like, you know, if you if you show a video to a Southern mother in the United States, and you see somebody cleaning a skillet with like a scrub brush and stuff, that is like a sin. Yeah. What are your thoughts on like the skillet pans, you know, the cast iron pans or, you, you know, whatever so, it may be? Yeah. I mean, so there's there's a few different ones. If you have like a stainless steel ones, those uh, stainless steel those are good, um, but uh, I'm talking about the deep dark ones that oh, they the cast say. Iron. Yeah, the cast yeah, iron. Yeah, the cast iron. Cast yes, iron, uh-huh. cast iron is good because first of all, it's good because it's cheap. It's it's difficult mm. to to keep it because you cannot keep it any. Uh, it cannot be wet because otherwise it gets rusty very quickly. But it does distribute heat very very well. It's very so that's why it's great to make. Even people make chocolate chip cookies there. You know, a big. Mm-hmm. It, is it important on how you maintain them though? Because a lot of people say if you scrub, you're going to lose that flavor, that flavor in the pan. Well, I mean, you uh, Dutch ovens, which also cast iron, some are coated and some are not coated. So a, a black cast iron, those are the raw ones. And those yeah. you really got to make sure you clean, but you cannot put like in a dishwasher or anything. You got to just put like not a, a non-abrasive sponge, a little like bit of soap. Salt, and salt, or salt yeah. yeah. Yeah, salt and oil. Actually, a lot of people do a salt and a little bit of oil. While it's still hot, and you, and you a... grease it afterwards, exactly though, right? to keep to keep it uh, uh, to keep it seasoned, as they say. And then you gotta clean wrap very very well and put it away because if there's any water there, 
it's going to be a problem. Now, to be honest, like cast irons is a more American thing than Portuguese thing. I never, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't remember seeing any cast irons. Again, no, that, I mean, that's why I brought it up though, yeah, David, yeah. like yeah. because here regionally, like I said, here in the United States, we regionally have different types of food. Mm -hmm. Here, I'll give an example. I went to Chicago for the first time, okay. And there were two things when I went to Chicago I wanted to try. I had to try the Chicago-style hot dog, which I absolutely loved. Now, this next thing I'm about to say might be controversial, but deep dish pizza. Mm -hmm. I do not consider that pizza. It is, it is almost like lasagna, in my opinion. It, it's just too doughy. Yeah. What what do you feel? Is deep dish pizza really pizza? I mean, uh, sure, but is it the pizza that I I grew up with? No, but no, it's too. It, it looks like a pie. It looks like a quiche. Almost, yeah, right. Exactly. Made out of out of tomato sauce, basically, and dough. So so no things like that. No, uh, but but hey, you know everybody has the freedom to call whatever they want. But no, it's more like a quiche for me. What about the hot dogs though? Like I never see, I never tried a hot dog, so I don't know. Wait, you are you kidding me Sorry, that you apologize. have never ever tried on a hot plane? Dog? No, uh, uh, Chicago hot dog. No. Oh no 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 no! But you've eaten a hot dog. Oh before, yeah 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 yeah, right? yeah yeah yeah. Now what what is the one dish? Because I'm sure as a chef that you know the dish that they're known for, mm -hmm. like their specialty. And then give me the one dish that you have had the hardest time perfecting. It's a good question because working at an embassy, especially, we try not to repeat dishes. Try. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's possible. Try. So, you know, imagine throughout the whole year now, not with COVID, of course, but with before, you know, when we have three, four official dinners. Hey, I don't, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but how much freedom do they give you? to create a menu so, or or do yeah. they tell you no so each ambassador is different right uh my current uh ambassador he basically just said as long as we have european food you know if we have mozzarella cheese make sure it's actually from italy not from you know wisconsin or something yeah yeah that's okay so that's what i have to work with i have to make sure it's normally three four courses i have to make sure every course he has an european element and that's where that's my guideline basically after that he's pretty much you know, hands-free, like you can do whatever you want. So the previous ambassador was a little more, I want more, I, I, would, send, I would send suggestions and he will kind of choose. So it's, you know, everybody's different and I get it. But so that's basically how we come up with the menu. So because I try to do so many different things, you know, mm -hmm. it's difficult like to pinpoint like, but I know. Your perfection dish. The I one know, that you I know the beef you well, I know the beef Wellington was always a, a success. And, mm. you know, it's a pretty famous dish, but I, I love to make beef wellington. Now, beef wellington is the one inside the bread. It's, the puff pastry, yeah. Yeah, the puff pastry, yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, yeah it's, it's a little tedious, but it's a great dish. Uh, I love to cook with pork belly. Uh, I think pork belly is really, really what good. What about oxtail? Oxtail, a lot of Southerners love yeah, oxtail. Oxtail is pretty good. Yeah, I, try, I, I, did, I, I, I cooked it a few times, oxtail. It's pretty good. I like it, yeah. Uh, still, what but, each, sorry, go ahead. What 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 is the hardest meat that you've had to cook? So the hard thing for me to cook in general, and luckily I don't have to cook anymore after culinary school. It's it's actually calf liver. 
just really? because the smell of calf liver, mm-hmm. uh, it's just it's not good. I can't. I really can't. My mom, few- my mom cannot do liver because she was pregnant with me, and she was cooking liver, and for my dad, my father, and for some reason, I guess I don't know if it was from all the hormones of being pregnant with me. She got really, really sick from it. Not not like sick, like from bacteria. It's just the the smell, the 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 taste. It, it just turned her off of it completely. Yeah. Yeah. So liver, it's a big no-no for me. And one of my final exams I had to do was a calf liver dish. And they had you have to try it, of course. And they the chefs are on the spot saying you have to try this. And it was whew. So it was almost like jumping from a plane. I was like, I cannot do this. Uh, so, but that for me, it's a struggle, but luckily I don't have to do it. Um, normally I pretty much like, for instance, I'm not a big fan of, I don't know, shrimp, but I can taste one in tell. Really? I'm not the biggest fan. I like pickled shrimp. That's something I learned. Uh, there's a great uh, Southern chef, actually, Sean Broke. He had, he used to be the chef for Husk from South Carolina. He has yeah. two, two great books. One is called Heritage. The other one is called South. I recommend everybody to buy it. It's, it's amazing to to learn more about American food. And he actually has an amazing pickled shrimp recipe. And that, that I like. But I can taste if it needs salt or not. But as as a taste that for me, it's very, very difficult to eat will be the, the livers, the foie gras and calf liver. I really don't. I really can't. Then I don't like beets. But, you know, beets, I can tell if it needs salt or pepper. Yeah. But I don't think anybody should eat beets. Now, in my opinion. now. Now, David, I, I, you know, some people when they sit down to eat a dish, they, they just think about the taste, okay? Mm-hmm. But I think the eating experience is with your eyes, with your nose, with your taste bud. Yeah. But I always take it one step further. I think texture and food is very important. Do do you understand what I mean by texture? I do, of course. It's one of the reasons why people like Asian food so much. Because Asian food, you always have something cold, something hot, something crunchy, something soft, something spicy, something sweet. So sometimes people don't understand why they like it so much. It's one of the reasons because they do play with, you know, you can have a bowl of ramen with like raw vegetables and then you have a crunch, right? And then you have, so there's textures asian asian food is the best when playing with textures and people do crave that that's why sometimes you know when i used to teach cooking classes i used to tell people even if you make just a chocolate mousse you know put mm-hmm. put like lime zest in there or like you know almonds or something because it's great after the sixth bite you probably want something different and you want a different bite why do we why why do we like the salty savor or sweet and savory mixture like you know some people are tend to like that sweet and savory type dish. Yeah, uh, it, it just, it works. Like I remember growing up, for instance, one of the things we do a lot, it's a honeydew with prosciutto. Oh, that bet that is amazing. And people might, it, I mean, it's very, it's very 70s, 80s. People used to serve that a lot, but still I remember growing up uh, having that. It was pretty good for dessert, you'll have it, or, or appetizer. And really just honeydew and people should try it. Buy good prosciutto, buy honeydew, and you will see how amazing the combination it is, the salty and the sweets. They just combinations that work very well. Even if you think about, uh, you know, like a tomato and cheese. I mean, sometimes tomato can oh, be a little so more tart good. and the Br- cheese is bruschetta, good. Bruschetta. Yeah. It's not that, exactly that... salty and sweet, but, you know, bacon and dates, it's something that people love to make or 
you know, Dude, uh, chocolate chocolate covered bacon is big in the United States. Yeah, and I've I've heard cho chocolate bacon chocolate with bacon. I haven't tried that one, but yeah. Now, David, I, I'm and you don't have to answer this question if you don't want to because you work for you know the uh, higher ups. But here in the United States, you know, here in the state of Florida, my mom has her medical marijuana card. Okay. Okay. You know, because it, it helps her, you know, my mom has something called uh, central tremors where she shakes a little bit. It's not like Parkinson's, but she gets cannabis oil. And have you ever had any interest? Because it is a fine art of cooking with cannabis. It is. And to be to be perfectly honest, that's something. It's not a route that I I tried so far, and I had interest. I'm trying, and actually, I a couple of weeks ago I had someone on the podcast that he created Plant People, and he, mm -hmm. it's actually a a wellness cannabis brand, and you, they use oils, and also you can use on your food. Mm -hmm. But to be honest, not something I've tried. Uh, it's I had for a long time a little bit of the prejudice, but when you start realizing that cannabis can help a lot of people, like your mom. Oh, yeah, yeah. it can. But I mean, I mean, David, think about this, though. I mean, think about what is legal here in our country, alcohol and tobacco. Think about how many people die in, 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 an, in a direct way or an indirect way because of tobacco and alcohol. But that's that's completely legal. Yeah. And it's not as bad for you. And I don't think people realize the benefits that it can help people with. And there is a fine art with it. And I want to get you in connection with one of my associates. Uh, they have they've been a sponsor for me. They're called Magical Butter. They they sell this machine that extracts all the THC. And, and all the good parts, the uh, CBD and stuff. And, and what they do is it gets turned into a butter that you can cook with. And, and I don't know, I, I, I'll, I'll get you a link and everything. And, and I'm not trying to pitch you in a hot, or, uh, you know, in a bad spot by asking. Oh, no, no, no. I, it, no, it's something that I know even for kids, for instance, with autism, it has been helping with anxiety. Yeah. And, you know, for, I, I know there's a lot of good benefits and people, you know, I come from a country that 15 years ago legalized all the drugs. So, and it was very controversial at the time. And we do still tend to associate you know, cannabis of people just, you know, getting high and just going to the dark end of the alley and that's it. Mm. No, there's the medical aspect that is super important. And I just had this discussion actually with my best friend a few a few weeks ago. And he's very, you know, against it. And I keep telling him, like, you know, I don't, you know, I don't smoke. I don't do any of that. I actually don't. But I don't even drink. I'm a very boring person. So I but I can see and I've read the benefits that can have for people. And like you said, for your mom, I read a big study in, in you know, autism. People, It just helps. Coronavirus. Helps. There, there, there was a story coming out that saying that that THC and CBD, CBD is the uh, the part of the plant that does not get you high. Yeah, that that it actually has benefits to people recovering from COVID-19. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's a matter of people trying to get more information and try, you know, it doesn't yeah. hurt. Just try. Nowadays, the product is much better. 
Again, there are yeah. stores. You don't have to go to a, a random place. You mm -hmm. can order things that are completely safe online or go to a store. I mean, give it a try. Now, I haven't yet, but give it a try. No, but but David, I've eaten food that has been cannabis infused. And, and what I don't like is that the chefs or the cooks, well, they will go too heavy on the cannabis. And the last thing, like I'll admit to you, cannabis is not the best tasting thing. There is a fine mixture of how much you're doing it. Yeah. You know, now this is my last question, okay? Um, and I'll let you go. David, before I get into my last question, tell people once again how they can check out any of your content. So you can find me on Instagram on Turning Chickens, Breaking Dishes. That's the pot, the food podcast that every week I have a guest, all from food and beverage background. I've been super happy, like I mentioned before, about the guests. You know, we started the second season with Phil Rosenthal, which, you know, he was just amazing. You know, but from Andrew Zimmern to Jacques Pepin, you, you'll find a lot what of interesting did you think people. of Anthony? What did you think of Anthony Bourdain? Oh, he was I a mean, genius. I mean, he was a he was a in every it was genius. so sad though it, yeah, it, it is that's it, what people do say every genius has a, a dark part of them right and he but he was a genius in the kitchen he's super super respected and but the way he talked about food it was almost like he was writing a love story oh yeah absolutely food. yeah like yeah, I mean, like he was passionate about it that, that's why i said people respect him a lot you know it's not one of those people that it's not it's not a lot of chefs that just because you have a tv show that the industry, the industry will respect you. Anthony Bourdain, any part of the world you'll go, people will respect him. So you know he's a very, very sad. But but yeah, so you know, uh, from the like I said, the podcast from you know from celebrity chefs to food stylists to mixologists, you'll find um, every a little bit of everything. Uh, I try to have different guests all the time, and you, so you can find on on Instagram, turning chicken breaking dishes. On any podcast uh, platform, you know, Apple, Spotify, mm -hmm. YouTube, and all of that, you can find it. Turning chickens and breaking dishes. My mm -hmm. Twitter is uh, it's David Pods and David with an E at the end, P O D, and that's it. And if everybody has any questions, I can just say it here. Or if you have mm -hmm. a suggestion for a guest, I don't know if you know someone that might be interesting for the show, uh, you can always send me an email email to info at turningchickensandbreakingdishes.com. David, if you're ever in the Central Florida area, I'm telling you right now, I would help you produce the whole thing. But everybody thinks their mom. Well, I mean, you did. You said your mom wasn't a, wasn't a great cook. But my mom, like, like, seriously, she was more of a baker. How how are you as a baker? So I make this distinguish, and I'll, if there's any professional bakers, they're going to be upset at me. So I was trained as both culinary and pastry. Now I spend much more of my time doing savory than pastry, and that part is obvious yeah. because if a menu has four, you know, courses, three will be savory and one will be dessert normally. Yeah, and I think there's a difference between a dessert chef and a baking chef. So think about a restaurant. So I don't make imagine I just don't make a pie at the embassy and I serve the pie. I'm not saying that's a, that's a bad thing. I mean, I love a good pie. It's just mm. it's not the type of food I look for. So I much rather have a dessert kind of restaurant style, which will be four or five elements on a plate. You know, it can be a pie or it can be a version of a pie, but you can have mm. an ice cream and it can have something crunchy on top and da da da. 
and then I think you have the true bakers of this world, which is, you know, the, the pie masters and the breads and all of that. Now, of course, you have to have the knowledge for both. It's just, you know, a lot of people make 100 croissants a week. I don't. You know, I make croissants when we have a breakfast and that's it. And that's like every blue moon. So, but it's different. But I prefer, I mean, I love to eat dessert, especially chocolates. But I consider myself more a dessert restaurant chef than actually a baking chef, if that makes sense. Yeah. Hey, David. I gotta I I, I want to have you on again. And Absolutely. the reason that I asked if you ever come to Central Florida, like Daytona Beach, Orlando, been there, Tampa see? area. Mm -hmm. But if you do, I would love like I'm telling you right now, it would be absolutely gold if you and my mom could cook <laughs> because no, you want me to be honest. My mom keeps, you know, I don't know if you've heard this Southern women, Southern mothers. They keep a dish of the oils and stuff that they use to cook with. If it's butter or Crisco, whatever it may be. Yeah. They they keep a coffee can right next to the stove that they do that because they're like, oh, man, the flavor is kept in the oil. I know that probably is probably doesn't sound appealing to you. But what I'm trying to say is like even barbecuing. What are what are your thoughts on barbecuing? Love barbecue. Love you barbecue. Do. See, I we if you if everybody ever goes to Portugal, you know, especially on the coast, they grill the fish, you know, uh, outside in charcoal. But that's it. It's very simple, salt and pepper. And people don't do. We don't have a more of the gathering as you guys do. We normally eat more out than actually at home. And yeah. here, you guys have your parties or it's the Super Bowl party. You know, you have your different things. Mm. And but I love barbecue. You know, I was in Tennessee and. I was very uh, happy. I was very happy there for a week. Uh, what do you have? Ribs, pulled pork. I had pork everything. Up. I went to a place. I think it's called. Uh, I might be wrong now. I think it's Central in Memphis. Um, and oh, dude, it, you went to then? Yeah, Memphis. Tri tip. Yeah. Tri tip. I've heard is one of the hardest meats to barbecue, though. Is that is it because which it's one? Not sorry. Uh, tri tip. Like. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? Why would that be? Why is it? Is it because it doesn't have a lot of fat in it, and you can dry it out? You can dry it out very quickly. Yeah, you can. Yeah, but but you know, the especially the barbecue, and that's something actually I've been trying to get a few people to talk on a podcast. Is there's a technique there? It's not just like you know, put charcoal on and that's it. And I mean, the flavors are just amazing. And I know there's in the US, there's you know, there's different. Uh, parts of the U.S. that they claim to have the best barbecue. I I I can't talk for that because I haven't traveled a yeah, lot in the U.S. David, I gotta, I gotta get you my the guy that was the best man at my wedding. His name is Kevin, and he competes at these barbecue competitions. Okay, and and Kevin has this little theory on thing. Okay, everybody wants that tender meat that falls off the bone, but his theory on it is you there's a mixture of that tenderness but you want a little bit of pull. And by yeah. pull, what I mean is, you you know, you want the meat to, you know, not just fall off the bone. You want to have to be able to work for it a little bit, if that makes sense. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. It's David, I, I got to get you in contact with my friend sure. uh, uh, Kevin because he broadcasts in the Tampa area and he cooks all the time. And... I think right now going through this pandemic, I think people are getting back to cooking regular meals for the family or Absolutely. for themselves. 
you know, I think it's great because cooking is almost like therapy, in my opinion. It is. And I think people start having more understanding about food and where even food comes from. I think this last year, you know, that's why people got really into baking and fermenting and, you know, people making kombucha at home and kimchi. And it was techniques that a lot of people thought would be difficult. And, you know, you need to have the know-how, but still it's, it's, it's good because people do went back a little bit to actually think like, okay, I really got to cook some stuff here, you know? And uh, I mean, luckily in the U S I think all these apps nowadays to deliver food, it's easier. Yeah. Is it, is it, is it more expensive to eat healthy here in the United States? Um, I mean, because you can go to a fast food place and you can get a cheeseburger for 99 cents for you and five other people in your family don't get me wrong i go to fast food places and people think i'm crazy because i'm a chef but chefs are very famous for having bad diets now i i'm unlucky or lucky it's more unlucky that i live in a very expensive city so dc is not cheap so dc is not cheap yeah so you buy you buy a a rutabaga or you buy you know a piece of steak it's the same thing i don't know so it's because it's very expensive and that for me, that for me was a shock, you know, but yes, if you, I go to farmer's market, for instance, and you can, it can be a little more expensive, but it's not actually a fairy tale when, when mm. it actually tastes much better. You know, when people tell you, oh, it tastes much better if you buy from a farmer's market, it does. Yeah. It does. Is there and a difference between organic? I, I mean, because the new craze, all the hipsters, all the younger generation, they are like, oh, I only eat organic. Is there a difference? I mean, a lot of people uh, sometimes say that it's 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 a little bit of a myth, right? What organic actually means. I mean, if organic means that the way agricultural products are grown and processed, if they have less pesticides and things, sure, I think it's better for you in general. I I, I think people should think about what they have in their backyard. If you're going to grow carrots in your backyard, are you just going to put water and let the sun do the job? Or are you going to start putting some, some stuff to be a little faster? Pesticides. Yeah, exactly. So I think in that aspect, I can, I can see uh, being, you know, better and actually what organic actually is. So organic produce normally they, they might have a residue of pesticides uh, mm-hmm. but normally they try to avoid that. And I think see, you know, overall that's pretty good. So see, I was I was in the FFA and if and, and I do have to wrap it up because I I mean listen, David, this is how I know that I am fascinated and I think you are such an amazing and interesting person Thank that you. we've been almost talking for 45 minutes about food and we've made it entertaining. Um, but going and talking about, you know, being organic, you know, I learned ways on how to not spread pesticides and stuff. A lot of bugs and stuff. They breathe through their skin. Just using soapy water and spraying it on your plants yeah. will will kill them. Uh, aphids, ladybugs. Ladybugs are like one of your best things organically that you can use to keep pests out of your vegetables exactly no it's true no, it's true it's just david, all about information yeah david dude i really really appreciate this and i'm gonna tell my producer i um when i get to a place that i get a really really good wi-fi connection you know my audience is growing all the time 
And I know that you're this big, famous chef. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, I think you are, though. I mean, if you cook for Obama, you're definitely a big, famous chef. So what I'm trying to say is, like, could we maybe do a Zoom video and and you can show me how to cook a uh, dish for my YouTube channel? Sure. I think it would be great because, yeah. you know, like, I, I don't know what your numbers uh on youtube are but like i'm i'm about to break three thousand subscribers that's great and yeah. th and that's and that's less than a year because the radio shows that i've worked on they they never would let me have a youtube account so oh. i would love to do something with that i would i would love to work with you some more to help both of our audiences grow sure anytime absolutely david once again tell people one last time how they can check out your content so for so one more time, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, the tag is Turning Chickens Breaking Dishes. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter, twitter.com uh, slash David with the E at the ends in pods, P-O-D. You can find the podcasts, the food podcast, Turning Chickens and Breaking Dishes, all, all the platforms from Apple Podcasts to Spotify. And if you want to send me any email or any information, any comments, you can do so. Info at turningchickensandbreakingdishes.com. One last thing, David. I am a big Manchester United fan, and I got to tell you, Portuguese Bruno, yeah. Bruno Fernandez. He comes from my team, so yeah. Uh, what Sporting? Sporting, exactly. That's where Ronaldo yeah. came from. Now, see, that's funny though. But I got to tell you, Bruno tell might be the best football deal that any team has ever gotten for Probably. the price that they Seven paid for him. Was. Yeah, yeah. But I'm afraid, like, he's doing so well that, like, he's going to leave. I, I And I shouldn't feel that way. I should just enjoy Bruno Fernandez right now. But, man, he is a special kind of player. He's a fantastic player. He's a fantastic. I love him. I mean, he's really, really good. Yeah. I was very sad he left my team, but, I mean, he left for a much better team, so. Yeah, David, I hope you have a wonderful weekend, and, and I'm very grateful that you did this interview with me. No problem. Thank you for having me. All right, man. Have a great weekend, and my producer will be reaching out to you, okay? Perfect. Thank you. From the Vapor Shades Hobo Fish Camp. Man, maybe I would have way more sex partners in my life if I just threw caution to the wind. It's the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Tuttle's Daily Podcast is brought to you by StitchYouUp.com. For your embroidery, screen printing, vinyl, and direct-to-garment printing needs, visit StitchYouUp.com. StitchYouUp specializes in custom caps, shirts, decals, and anything you want to personalize. Whether it's one item or large orders, they can handle any size. Unsure about what you want? Let StitchYouUp help you with your logo design. Visit StitchYouUp.com. Or contact them, eric at stitchyouup.com. Stitch You Up, definitely not your grandma's embroidery. Nerd, radio personality, and hot talk satirizer. You're listening to the Tuttle Podcast. All right, guys, welcome back to the Tuttle Daily Podcast, last segment of the show. Uh, yesterday, I had Ciroc on. I'm getting a lot of great feedback. I think, I think we are working together very, very well. Going to try to have Charlie Alamo on my YouTube live stream tonight. But the reason that I think myself and Ciroc uh, work so well with each other, he is from Michigan. He's from up north. I'm from the south. 
There is a 10-year age difference. I am as Caucasian as it gets. He's African-American. And I just think that we gel very well. And I've been getting a lot of great feedback. Let me know what you think. Tuttle at gmail.com or leave me a voicemail 407-270-3044. But I, he had never seen the movie Higher Learning, which I think is very, very underrated movie. So he is going to be watching that and he's going to review that one. But I was also texting with him last night about another movie because I've been watching a lot of these reaction videos and I would love for Ciroc, who is African-American, watch the movie Blazing Saddles. Now, is that, is that insensitive of, my, uh, of me to want to get his reaction of this flick? Because it is a classic Mel Brooks. Richard Pryor was not in it, but I think he was involved in, in some of the production of it. But it is a, you could not do a movie like Blazing Saddles in, in, the, in the country we're living in. Right now, you couldn't. It just, it would not happen. It would never in a million years get greenlit. Should, should Ciroc review the movie, give us his reaction of the movie Blazing Saddles? And if you haven't seen it yet before, I, I, you know, I don't agree with, but in the time, man, just like All in the Family, you couldn't, you couldn't do All in the Family with Archie Bunker. No way you could do that right now. No fucking way. So leave me a voicemail, 407-270-3044. Should Ciroc review the movie Blazing Saddles? Hope you guys enjoyed today's show. Got a great interview with Mike Messier tomorrow, who is the movie right to hang up on during Zoom. And my producer, Vulture, left him on the line while I was taking a piss. Thank God I wasn't doing number two. That would have been really, really embarrassing. But if you would like for me to play that whole interview, reach out to me, social media, my email. Uh, or my voicemail number, 407-270-3044. Hope you guys enjoyed today's uh, show. Hope you guys stay safe, and I will talk to you tomorrow. And that's the show for today. Thanks for listening to the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Hey, don't be a dickhead. Do us a favor. Like, share, and subscribe to the show. Also, check out the Tuttle category at 315live.com. The Tuttle Daily Podcast is brought to you by the Vapor Shades Hobo Fish Camp. You want some cool-ass sunglasses? Check out Vaporshades.com. Also brought to you by Starfire Transport, StitchYouUp.com, PocketPairClub.com. Special thanks to show intern Hannah and Charlie Lamo for their contributions. Additional imaging and production is provided by CCA Productions, Facebook.com slash CCA Productions Presents. Show voiceover service is brought to you by jcvoiceover.com. That guy's got a damn sexy voice. You should hire him. Check out jcvoiceover.com. If you want to help support the show, go to paypal.me slash radio. Comments? Concerns? Or do you just want to let Tuttle know he's being a dickhead? Tuttle at gmail.com. That's Tuttle with two Ds at gmail.com. Leave a voicemail at 407-270-3044. To follow all of Tuttle's social media, go to Tuttle.net. 
Thanks again for all your support, and we'll see you tomorrow on the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Hey, yo, Terry, what's going on?